Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. My name is Scott. Welcome to those of you our online campus. It's always great to have you. And listen, if this is your first time tuning in with us or your first time here, we are in the second week of a series that Abraham kicked off last week called Shape. And in this series, we're not looking at, you know, our physical shape. We're looking at how God has shaped us in life for significance, how we're each unique and and we're each designed individually and how God wants us to use our shape to serve him, to serve others and to fulfill his purposes in life. So each week now, Abraham gave us an overview last week of each one of the letters. So what we're going to do each week is we're going to take one of the letters or a couple of the letters and kind of dive deep into those for us to be able to understand what is our spiritual gift, which is the S. What is our heart? What is our abilities? You know, what is our personality and what is our life experiences? And when you put all those things together, it really helps us to figure out our purpose and exactly where God wants us to be used to make a difference. And the reason this is so important, if, if God takes the time to shape us a certain way, and he says that he expects us to use our shape to serve him, to serve others for his glory, then we need to figure out our shape so that we can figure out what our contribution is going to be, right? What's our contribution going to be while we're here on this earth. And today's talk is probably the most difficult to understand because we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts. And a lot of times that, uh, you know, kind of freaks people out a little bit. But to think that our Heavenly Father gives us a spiritual gift, when we enter into a relationship with Christ, that's pretty cool. That's pretty neat to think about. But what it does it helps us to figure out, again, what our contribution is going to be. Now, a lot of times we let other people tell us, right, what our contribution is going to be. Well, we need you here, right? Or the church needs you over here, so we need you to do that. And that's okay for a time to serve where you're needed. But over time, we need to serve God where we're shaped, because it's going to be natural, it's going to be enjoyable, it's going to be fulfilling. It's like breathing when you're doing what you're shaped to do. Now, there's going to be times where needed, I get that, like Easter and Christmas, for example, in the church. You think about the church example, you need more people in the parking lot, you need more people in the kids' area and all that. That's serving you know, where there's a need, but you have to long-term serve others wherever it is that you're shaped. So that's why we're doing this series, to really help us to discover how God has shaped us. And your shape is unique. Everybody's shape is a little bit unique to them. But let's talk about that for a minute, that God gives us our shape. Well, when we enter into a relationship with God through Christ, when we invite Christ into our life, and I know that's not everybody, right? Some of you still have a lot of questions about faith. You don't know where you stand with God. That's fine. Keep asking those questions. But once we enter into a relationship with Christ, he gives us some gifts, right? It's kind of like your birthday. Hopefully on your birthday, you get some gifts, right? From people that love you, people that care about you, maybe your spouse, maybe your parents, 
maybe your kids. But when you invite Christ into your life, he gives us gifts as well. What are some of the gifts that God gives us? Well, one, we get forgiveness, right? That's a gift. We get forgiveness of our sins when we start a relationship with Christ. And when we get forgiveness, what does that give us? Well, it gives us joy, right? It gives us happiness because we're no longer carrying our sin. We're no longer carrying that past and all those things we've done or the way we've reacted to things or the way we've treated people. The sinful things we've done, we get rid of those things. So we get forgiveness. And that causes us happiness and joy because we're not carrying those burdens anymore. How much more does our world today need happiness and joy? Right? People walk around and they're not happy. They're not full of joy. And I think a lot of that is because they still carry guilt. And they still carry shame because they've never received that forgiveness that only comes through Christ. It doesn't come any other way. But that's one of the gifts that God gives us when we have a relationship with him. What else do we get? We get something called well, let me read you a verse first before I jump off to that. The, the forgiveness piece and how it erases our guilt and shame. Romans 5.15. Now, any of the scripture verses we use on a Sunday, they're going to be on the Church Center app if you want to download that, or you can scan the QR code, or if you're watching online, there's a link to follow. And those are the, uh, there for you to reference today or to reference later on during the week. But Romans 5.15 says this, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin in God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. So when we receive that forgiveness, the reason we get joy and we get happiness is because it fully erases that guilt and that shame that we tend to carry through life. So the second gift I want to talk about that we get when we enter that relationship with Jesus is eternal life. And that's, that's a great gift, right? That's the gift that kind of keeps on giving because we are eternal beings. Doesn't matter where you stand on the spiritual spectrum. Doesn't matter if you're a believer in Christ or you're not a believer in Christ, you're an eternal being. And we're going to live forever either with God or without God. But part of that forgiveness when he wipes away our sin, God sees us as perfect, right? He sees us through Christ, and we go to heaven to be with him when we pass away from this earth. We're, we get eternal life. That's a biggie. That's a big gift that he gives us. Listen to Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. That's the penalty we have to pay because of our sin. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So that's another gift that we get. Now, when it comes to eternal life or forgiveness, we're not going to receive either one of those gifts simply because we work hard or because we're good people, or uh, it's something we can't buy, we can't purchase. It's simply a free gift from Christ. God's not going to grade us on a curve. Right? He doesn't put all of our good deeds on one side and all of our bad deeds on one side. And as long as the good things outweigh the bad, yeah, we're in. That's good. No, it's simply a free gift that we get when we trust Christ and we accept him. 
In other words, when we make Jesus the Lord of our life, that means I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not going to follow my own intuition or other people. I'm going to follow Christ and what he wants to do in my life. We have to trust him completely. Now, there's a difference in believing something and trusting something, right? We can believe Christ but not trust Christ. You believed, those of you in the auditorium, you believed today when you walked in that that chair was going to support you, right? But you trusted it when you sat down, right? We can believe something is, is accurate. We can make this mental agreement with ourselves that something is true. But when we say yes to our beliefs and we trust our beliefs, that means we're moving in the direction that our life is going to be changed. It's the same way with Christ. We can believe Christ, but we have to trust him with our life. We trust that he's going to be the, the leader that we need in our life. So there's a little bit of a difference. But that's the second thing we get. So we get forgiveness. We get eternal life. That, that's a pretty good deal. What else do we get when we invite Christ into our life? We get the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit lives in us once we have a relationship with Christ. The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and directs us through life. And listen, the scripture says that the moment we put our faith in Christ, we get his Holy Spirit. Listen to Ephesians 1, verse 13 through 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So the moment we invite Christ into our life, we surrender our life to him, we make him Lord of our life, we get the Holy Spirit, right? And we were talking in the lobby, uh, I was talking in the lobby with some folks just a few minutes ago, and, and you've heard of God referred to as the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Son is Jesus who came to this earth in human form to reveal who God is. God the Holy Spirit is that part of God that directs our lives and lives in us. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Paul also said this, he said, he has given us the Holy Spirit to what? Fill our hearts with his love. Now notice, it, it doesn't say to fill our hearts with theology. It doesn't say to fill our hearts with information or to fill our hearts with hypocrisy or judgment, but to fill our hearts with love. Love is always the key. So how do you know you have the Holy Spirit living in you? And you've probably heard different things. People say, well, you know, proof that you have the Holy Spirit is you can do this, this, and this, or you have to do this in order to prove that you have the Holy Spirit. No. Abraham alluded to this last week. It's outlined for us in the scripture, in the book of Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, you see that list. Those are not spiritual gifts, which we're going to talk about today, the S, but they are the result 
of when we allow God's Spirit to move us forward in life. We are going to produce those things when the Holy Spirit lives in us. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, wait a minute, I wasn't very joyful this week. You know, I wasn't very kind in this situation this week. But are we moving forward? Is our goal to produce these things? Because these are the things that Christ is going to develop in our life and wants us to produce. So the way we know we have the Holy Spirit in us is we're loving, we're joyful, we're peaceful, and we're working on those things, and we know those are things Christ wants us to do. Uh, Something else about the Holy Spirit, when you have the Holy Spirit living in you, you have power that God gives you. Often the Holy Spirit is referred to as the helper, someone that we can call on at any time to help us and to give us strength in life, to give us direction, to give us guidance in life. How often is it we need direction? Or we don't know where we're heading. We have to ask God and say, you know, ask God's Holy Spirit, give me direction in this situation. Help me to handle this situation. So many people come to faith in Christ and they receive his grace and his forgiveness, but they never rely on the Holy Spirit. Well, I just got to handle life on my own now. Yeah, but I've got Jesus over here, but I've got I've to do all this on my own. No, he's there to help us. So God gives us his Holy Spirit so that we have the power and the ability to do the things that God calls us to do. The Holy Spirit is a huge part of that. So when we invite Christ into our life, we get forgiveness. We get eternal life. We get his spirit, the part of God that lives inside of us. And the fourth thing we get, which we're going to spend the uh, the majority of our time on today, I put it into a learning. But learning number one, a spiritual gift is given by the Lord to use for his purpose. So we get a spiritual gift or spiritual gifts. So aside from all those other cool things, forgiveness and eternal life and him living in us, we get a spiritual gift or gifts to be used for others. I think Abraham talked about that last week. They're not for our benefit. Sure, we can use them selfishly if we want to, but they're for the benefit of others. Now, people get spiritual gifts confused with abilities and talents because they're similar in ways, but they're also different in ways. And then probably the easiest way to think about this is every single person gets talents and abilities, right? No matter where you stand on the faith spectrum, you don't have a relationship with Christ. You do have a relationship with Christ. You still get talents and abilities from God. They can be used for others. They can be used selfishly. They can be used just for yourself. But every single person gets talents and abilities. Don't look at your husband and think, man, you got the short end of the stick. You didn't get much of that. No, everybody gets talents and abilities. The difference is only followers of Christ who have made that decision to trust Christ as Lord and Savior and invited him into their life, do they get a spiritual gift or gifts? Does that make sense? So only believers get a spiritual gift. Everybody gets talents and abilities. That's probably the easiest way to remember the difference. But the Holy Spirit of God determines which gift or gifts we get. Listen to Romans 12, 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. 
1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So, when God gives you new purpose for living and you put your trust in Christ, you're going to receive at least one spiritual gift to help you fulfill your purpose, the purpose for which God created you. That's pretty cool to think about and that God individually picks which gift or gifts we're going to get. Now, you can't say, well, I don't want that gift. I want a different one. Right? I want to I trade this in, God. No, he's the one who decides. Now, people are like, okay, where's the list of spiritual gifts in the Bible? And there's not one exact place you can go to find a complete list of the spiritual gifts. They're mentioned throughout the scripture. And I know that drives list people crazy, right? There's got to be a list somewhere. But there are three main areas I'll tell you you can look. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4 list out a lot of the gifts. But let me just give you some examples. One of the gifts, uh, uh, a spiritual gift, is called apostle, the spiritual gift of being an apostle. What in the world does that mean? Right? That sounds like a fancy term, or that sounds like you're one of the 12 disciples. Right? But it simply means you're like a church planner. A church planner would be an apostle. Or a group leader could have the spiritual gift of being an apostle. They're starting something new. They're creating something to help people to further their relationship or to find Jesus. All right? Or somebody starts a parachurch organization. That could be what an apostle is. There's a spiritual gift of teaching. There's a spiritual gift of leadership. There's a spiritual gift of servanthood. Some of you have the spiritual gift of serving. Doesn't mean all the rest of us aren't called to serve, but you have this extra measure. And every time you find yourself doing something, you're serving others. You're behind the scenes. You don't care about any fanfare. You just want to see the kingdom of God furthered. There's a spiritual gift of encouragement. My wife says I don't have that gift. Um, there's a spiritual gift of giving. People have the spiritual gift of giving. People have the spiritual gift of mercy. There's the spiritual gift of discernment. You know, you just know you have a special discernment that God gives you. You know about a situation. You know about another person. And you just, you just know in you. That's discernment. Yeah, some people have the spiritual gift of faith. You ever met somebody that has a spiritual gift of faith and their faith is like light years beyond yours? It's like, how do they believe that deeply? It's a spiritual gift of faith. Now, as a follower of Christ, we're called to a lot of these things, even if we don't have the spiritual gift, right? We know we're called to uh, be merciful. We know we're called to be generous. We know we're called to faith, but we may not have that spiritual gift. So in other words, you cannot walk through Walmart and somebody collapses and you walk by them and say, nah, sorry, dude, I don't have the spiritual gift of mercy. You're, you're going to have to wait till somebody comes along that does. No, you still have to help that person, right? But th when you have the spiritual gift, you just have an extra measure of that. And God's going to use that to fulfill his purposes through you. And there's many different areas that are mentioned in the scripture. I think the best thing for us to know is when you do something and you do it well, 
And you're like, man, I'm pretty good at this. Not in a boastful way, but you help people in their relationship with Christ and to grow in their relationship with Christ or to find Christ. You're probably displaying part of your shape, if not all of your shape, but definitely your spiritual gift. Another thing to understand about the S, the spiritual gifts, is there's no unimportant gifts. Some people may say, well, I don't want the spiritual gift of servanthood. I want the spiritual gift of leadership, or I want the spiritual gift of mercy. There's no unimportant gifts. So why is my spiritual gift so important? And it's learning number two. A spiritual gift reveals God's plan for our life. It really does. It reveals God's plan for our life. It determines how God wants us to serve him. And so once we figure out, and it's a process, and we're going to get to that. Once we figure out what our spiritual gifts are, I'm telling you, it's going to answer so many questions in our life. We're all called to God's purposes, but it's our spiritual gift that determines how we're going to serve God in his body, in the church, in the body of Christ. Some of you are teachers, you should teach. Some of you are leaders, you should lead. Some of you are encouragers, you should, you know, you should counsel, you should meet with people, you should encourage people. Some of you are givers, you can go above and beyond what other people can. Not that we're not all called to it, but you have the spiritual gift of generosity with your time and your resources and your efforts. Now, there's two traps I want to kind of forewarn us about when it comes to spiritual gifts. And I think one of the traps when it comes to spiritual gifts, we're, tr- we're tempted to emulate someone else that we think is spiritual. And this happens a lot of times when we first cross the line of faith and we first invite Christ into our life and, oh, I want to become like Christ. And then we're tempted to mimic or, or emulate somebody who we think is spiritual, right? Have you, have you ever like heard someone that just knew the Bible backwards, forwards, inside and out? You know, they could recall the verse. They can recall the book. They, they know exactly where it's at in the scripture. That's why I love Google because I can't remember that all the time. But you're like, man, I would like to know the Bible like that, or I'd like to have faith like that, but you just don't. It's because it's not your gifting. And if you try to put that gift on yourself and think, well, I'm going to be like this, yeah, you can learn the scripture, but you may never have that spiritual gift of teaching, for example, and be able to explain it to somebody else. If you try to do that and it's not your gifting, you're just going to get frustrated. You're just going to get discouraged and maybe even feel guilty. So we've got to be careful we don't try to emulate someone else's spiritual gift when that's not our spiritual gift. The other trap we fall into when it comes to spiritual gifts is what I refer to as gift projection. And we're tempted to project our gift onto someone else. Now, I've got this gift and I'm passionate about it and I use it all the time. And I think everybody else ought to have that same gift. We don't all get the same gifts, right? That's called gift projection. And when we want to project our gift because we're so passionate about it onto somebody else, if we're not careful, we'll become less tolerant of other Christians. We'll become less tolerant of other churches or other denominations. It's okay that we're passionate about it, but we shouldn't expect everybody to have the same gift 
that we have. If, if we've got limited patience for somebody who doesn't share our gift, that's just not the right path that we should be heading down. So here's learning number three. We always, well, let's see, where is learning number three? We are all gifted differently, but together we make up the body of Christ. So there's different gifts, but they're all used for the body of Christ. God wants to use every single one of us that has a relationship with him to make an impact in this community and to make an impact in the world. He doesn't want to do it through one person. If one person got all the spiritual gifts, the rest of us would not be needed, right? It takes all of us using our gifts to glorify God and to do what he's called us to do. So don't ever think, well, my gift is not important. Not only is it important, it's essential to the body of Christ. They're all needed. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Not some of you, not a few of you, not a select portion of you, each of you is a part of it. Every gift is needed. And it's tempting to walk into a church and think, well, they've already got this all figured out. They've got it all covered. They got enough people at the doors. They got enough people in the parking lot. There, there's enough people in the kids area. I don't need to use my gifts. No, that's not how it works. That is going to hurt the body. When somebody doesn't use their gift, it hurts the body of Christ. Think about it like this. Some of you uh, put puzzles together with your kids as wooden puzzles, or some of you are jigsaw people. My wife is a jigsaw person. She loves putting together jigsaw puzzles. Well, let's say you build this jigsaw puzzle and you get to the end and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm missing two pieces. Yeah, maybe the dog ate them. Maybe your kid ate them. Who knows, right? Which pieces do you notice in that jigsaw puzzle? Do you notice the 498 that you got in the right spot and you got them all put together nice and neat? Or do you notice the two that are missing? You notice the ones that are missing, right? I mean, it stands out like a sore thumb. It's like, where in the heck is this piece or these pieces? It's the same way in the body of Christ when somebody doesn't use their gifts for God's purposes, the body is going to suffer. The picture's not going to be complete. So every single person in the family of Christ is essential and every single person is necessary. Here's something else about spiritual gifts. They are the key to our joy and fulfillment in life, figuring them out and using them. Listen to John 15, 8. When you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. And then John 15, 11 says, I have told you all these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Well, the glory and the joy and the fulfillment, that comes from doing what God created us to do. Jesus came to give us an abundant life a full life, a fulfilling life. And when we connect with the purpose for which he's created us and we discover how he shaped us to be used in his kingdom, I'm telling you, we're going to be overflowing with joy. You are absolutely going to be fulfilled. Real joy doesn't come from, you know, having more money or having more things or being more popular or being more successful. True joy and fulfillment comes from doing what God created you to do for his glory. 
I'm telling you, once we know our purposes and we use those purposes, if we fulfill that purpose, we're going to be fulfilled. So we have spiritual gifts and God's given them to us to help other people. What's the first thing he probably wants us to do is figure out what our spiritual gift is. You may not know right away. And one of the signs you're a follower of Christ and the Holy Spirit's living in you is you have a desire to figure out what is my spiritual gifting and to be able to use that. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. God wants us to figure out what our gift is. He's not going to try to hide it from us or to keep it from us. So how do we figure it out? Learning number four, we can begin to understand our gift or gifts by examining and by experimenting. We can also ask questions like, what have I done in the past that I felt really good about doing? I thought I did a really good job at it, and I helped people in their walk with Christ or to find Christ. I helped the body of Christ when I did that. What are some things I've done in the past that brought me joy and fulfillment and it helped others in the process. And listen, if you've never been involved in a church or outside of the church, or if you've never served people before, you're not going to know what your spiritual gift is. You got to do something. You got to get involved and work with other people and serve other people like God tells us to before we're ever going to figure it out, before we're ever going to be able to identify what our gift is, and sometimes people will see your gift in you before you even see it. Oh, wow, you did really great at that. Or you're, it's awesome to have you as part of this team because you're able to do this, 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 and this. The best way to discover our gifts, really the best way to discover our entire shape is to try things out. We, uh, when we serve, we're going to discover where we're gifted. Now, you may do something and completely not do good at it. You might fail at it. Like, uh, the kids area, that's not for me, (laughs) right? Just pretend you never did it and switch and do something else, right? That's how you figure it out. You do something, you're like, I am definitely not gifted in this area, but you'll find that area or you'll find out what that gift is and your shape is, and you'll be like, this is what God created me to do. And I think the reason people don't do that They don't serve others. They don't serve within the church or outside of the church. It's because we're so afraid of failure. We're so afraid of what somebody else might think or somebody else might say, but we got to try different things to figure out how God's gifted us. And then once we figure out our spiritual gift, God wants us to develop it. It's not going to come to us fully developed, ready to use right out of the box. We got to develop it. Paul told Timothy, in 2 Timothy, not to neglect the spiritual gift that he'd been given. 2 Timothy 1.6, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. There's people that know their spiritual gift and they're not using it. Why? And I think we have an enemy of our soul. You know, Satan does not like us. Even if you don't know Christ, he doesn't like you. If you know Christ, he definitely doesn't like you. But his trick is to keep us occupied so that we don't do the things that God wants us to do. I'm sure you've probably figured that out. So what he does, he can even keep us busy doing things that are good things. 
These are okay things, and I'm staying busy doing them, but we miss the most important things. And I think a lot of times that's what happens. We get so tied up doing other things, we don't take the time to use our gifts and our shape to serve God's kingdom and to serve other people. And listen, like I said, just because you figure out your gift doesn't mean you're going to be great at it right out of the box. You have to develop it. You have to use it over and over again. It's just like those talents and abilities. You may have had or have a talent or an ability in a certain area, but until you did it, and until you did it over and over and over again, you didn't get better at it. It's the same with the spiritual gift. It's like a muscle. The more we use it, the stronger it's going to get. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So God wants us to use our gift in the body of Christ. Wherever you go to church, that's your body of Christ. Or it can be in the greater body of Christ, multiple churches. It doesn't matter. It can be in your neighborhood. But he wants you to use it and wants me to use my gift. Ephesians 4.12 says, Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up his church, the body of Christ. Now, understanding our spiritual giftedness, the S, what we've talked about today, that's part of getting equipped. That's part of it. I'm equipping God's people right now. I'm fulfilling the first part of that 412. Why are we doing it? To build up the church, the body of Christ. When we discover in this series the rest of our shape, the H and the A and the P and the E, that's part of the equipping. And when we know our entire shape, we're equipped to do what God wants us to do. So when you hear that term, spiritual gift, don't let it freak you out. It's not mysterious at all to think that your heavenly father uniquely designed you and uniquely created you and gave you an entire shape. And part of that was spiritual gifts. That's pretty amazing. We just have to remember the only way I'm going to discover this is to start doing something, is to get involved, to to serve others, to help others. And before long, you're going to figure out, man, I'm pretty good at this. And it's helping people. It's helping me on my journey. So the next couple of weeks, we'll look at our heart, which I love talking about our heart. We'll look at our abilities. We'll look at our personality. And we'll look at our experiences. And again, when you combine all of those things together, it's going to paint a picture for you of where God wants you and how God's going to use you. So let's pray together. God, First of all, thank you that you gift all of us when we have a relationship with you uniquely, that you choose what spiritual gift or gifts even that you want us to have. Lord, help us to keep in focus and to remember that those are to be used to build up your body, to serve you and to serve others. Lord, help us to discover first off what our gift is and then help us to develop it. Lord, help us never to forget too that you're always with us. You're always living in us and that we can call on you for anything as our helper, as our comforter, as the one who guides us and leads us through life. 
through trouble and through joy. You're right there ready to help us. Maybe you're watching for the first time today or here today. And as we're praying, you, you've never invited Christ into your life. You've never received those free gifts of forgiveness, eternal life, and God living in you. Let me encourage you. Don't put that off. Maybe you grew up and you were taught, well, you, you got to stop doing this before Jesus is ever going to love you. You got to start doing this before you're ever going to be ready to walk with Jesus. Listen, nothing could be further from the truth. He meets us wherever we're at in life. He accepts us right where we're at. So I want to encourage you, invite him in. Make him Lord of your life. Ask for forgiveness and ask him to lead you from now on. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for the churches in our community. Help us to continue to help people to find and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quick, just a couple of things. August the 14th, 5 to 7, at Bissett Park in Radford, we're having our uh, outdoor baptism and child dedication. So if you've never been water baptized, if you want to dedicate your children, that is the day to sign up for on your connection card. And listen, so far we haven't lost anybody baptizing them. That's that's pretty good track record. So it's a good time to do that. But what, you know, people ask, well, what, what is baptism? Baptism doesn't do anything to save you. Baptism is our outward expression. It's us telling the world, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus, ask us to be baptized, right? And it's symbolic. If you think about it, we talked about how you get gifts when you accept Christ. It's symbolic of being buried to our old life when we go under the water, you know, our life before we had Christ, and we're being raised to a new life with Christ. That's what it symbolizes. So if that's something you've never done, but you've made a profession of faith, you've invited Jesus into your life, then maybe that's your next right step. And, and we would be honored uh, to be a part of that with you on that special day. Now, some people say, well, wait a minute, Scott, I was baptized as an infant. Do I need to be baptized again? That's a big question people have. And I just say, be baptized the way that Jesus said, after faith in Christ, right? We personally make the decision to follow Christ, then we make the decision to be baptized. That in no way, shape, or form undermines that infant baptism. Why did your parents do that? In faith, that you would grow up someday to follow Jesus. That's what we do in child dedication. We dedicate children and their parents. And so what parents do is they say, hey, I'm going to dedicate my child to God, and I'm going to commit to raising my kid in a Jesus-centered home so that hopefully someday my kids will invite Jesus into their life like I did. That's what child dedication is. So if you're a new parent or even an old parent with older kids and you want to dedicate your children, that's the day to do that. And you can sign up on that connection card. So next week, we're going to talk about heart. Let me encourage you, bring a friend. Everybody loves when we talk about our heart, those things we love to do. I hope you have a great afternoon. I hope you have an incredible week. God bless you. Thanks for being here.